0: Welcome to your dose of the Sideshow Hustle Podcast. Discovering world-class side hustles and the hustlers behind them. Tune in for exclusive interviews, tips, tricks, and pitfalls so you can learn, start, and win. Here's your host. One, two, three, let's
1: go. Hey team, it's Matt here. Today's hustler was thrown a COVID curveball. We'll learn how adversity can be a great motivator. That brings us to today's side hustle unisex hand-me-down quality kids clothing think about that for a second www.5andnux.com that's k-n-u-x let's get into it Three, two, one. hi guys welcome to the podcast COVID-19 it's thrown a spanner in the works for a lot of people Today on the podcast, we've got Renee in the middle of her career. COVID-19 has basically blown up events and event planning and event management. There's no more events, or there's not many. Renee finds herself unsure what to do. I think we jump right in and we find out more about her. Welcome to the podcast, Renee Schmidt.
0: Hello, lovely to be here.
1: For the observant listener, they will have noticed we have a similar last name. (laughs)
0: yes we do indeed
1: we're cousins my dad your mum uh brother sister yeah so that is how we have known each other for quite some time (laughs)
0: let's not say how long (laughs) quite a while quite
1: a while a lifetime two lifetimes it's a privilege to have you on just to go through i guess some of the pain of what you went through and to find out where it's taken you a good starting point always that people like to know is your story what were you doing before your side hustle
0: yeah, fair enough. Well, like you mentioned, I was working in events. So I was an event producer, which back in the day was really busy. And we had all these big grand events and a career in Sydney and Dubai and moved back to Australia, fortunately or unfortunately, depending which way you look at it, a couple of months before COVID hit. So I found myself not really having a career here to come back to. I did a little bit. And of course, with the lockdowns and everything, I... Didn't want to sit around and be idle, so I did whatever I else did at home and you know started cleaning through the laundry cupboard, the you know linen cupboard, my wardrobe, the garage, and started selling stuff on marketplace, because you know getting rid of stuff and I thought let's earn some money while I'm at home and tidy up. And yeah, I found a love for selling things online.
1: And the things you're listing, were things you had or were you buying new things? No, things?
0: things I had. So just tidying up and getting rid of things that I had and making space, I guess, to buy new stuff. But you know, getting a bit of money from what was sitting in the garage or the cupboard and tidying up as I went along. So clearing out and earning some cash as we went along.
1: Okay. And then how did that lead into the side hustle?
0: Yeah. So, I actually really enjoyed, you know, putting stuff online and taking photos and writing descriptions and, you know, that interaction with online sales. So, because I didn't have a career, I was like, wonder if I could make any money out of this, like, bigger money in terms of just the stuff I had. And then I was like, I actually realized that that's a whole industry in itself was e-commerce. So, I started researching realizing that you know given that it was months and months now by this stage down the track that maybe events weren't coming back because some other careers started coming back but events were probably going to be one of the last ones that actually made a return because of COVID rules so so I wonder if there's any kind of industry or business that I could do e-commerce because that then become a passion and something I was really interested in. And then, you know, researched e-commerce businesses and there's a lot of, you know, your common ones, you know, your usual, you know, Tupperware or jewellery or lingerie and none of those really appealed to me but they also seemed quite mass market and very similar so I felt like the market was saturated and then just pure chance I happened to find a uh, e-commerce business for sale in Gumtree of all places in the middle of looking for something else not even looking for an e-commerce business and it was for some sassy kids clothing so I looked at it and straight away I was like yep this is me like the kids clothes had attitude they were sassy they were cool they weren't kitsy and I just thought yep this is cool it's got a bit of a niche to it and so I purchased a business that existed it was a very small e-commerce business run by a mum that had kids at home just wanting to get clothes for her kids that she couldn't find anywhere else but she she just didn't have enough time to continue it on because she was a, a mum with two little kids that just couldn't give it the time and support to make it any bigger and grow it. So I actually purchased Five and NUX.
1: Okay, so com is sitting on Gumtree for sale. Yes. You come along and you feel inspired because of you've been selling some stuff on these marketplace platforms, you know, you're basically flipping away sort of old items or items you want to get rid of. Yeah. You realize you enjoy it. You realize there's some people actually prepared their money and you're just quite surprised at how easy it is and the, mo- the amount of money that is coming in. You have an interest in e-commerce. So I guess...
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a new interest. I didn't even... Re- I mean, obviously, you've heard of it knew it existed, but I'd never really done it before and never really knew that I could do it.
1: In terms of the breadth, like, you could sell anything. Yes. <laughs> Books or toys or there's just... it's. It's boundless. It is, yeah. The honing into clothing and then specifically sort of higher quality kids' clothing, Yes. how did you come to that point? Was it the, the sheer chance of the website that you found online or what?
0: Yeah, well, so looking at Five and Nights when it existed, I looked at the Instagram and could see that there was a lot of sass and attitude, you know, T-shirts that say Be Badass or Cute But Psycho. They weren't, you know, trucks and Barbie doll, you know, princesses and stuff, but it was also – a lot of my friends all have kids or, you know, cousins have kids and there's a lot of little kids around. So it was also talking to them about what they wanted. And the more that I've since having the business, the more that I've talked to other people, that's how I've tailored and curated the range to suit people, what people are looking out for. And that's different to the stores, but also that quality of, you know, I want to try and bring back that hand me down. Fast fashion is so fast at the moment it's cheap and easy but you know it lasts four washes and at kindy and then you know they catch on a tree and they throw it out so going for that higher quality I'm hoping to try and make that last a bit longer that you know people can pass it down through families or I also focus a lot on gender neutral so you know you can share within the family with your siblings and it's sort of it's a bit more sustainable and more broad
1: yeah I was thinking about that that going gender neutral like Firstly, I guess there's a oh, there's a small group of people out there that just want gender-neutral clothing for their children. I guess it's quite a small group. But the clever bit about it is that you can put in a T-shirt in size 4, 5, and 6, and that can sit in both the boys' category and the girls' category, effectively doubling the catalogue, but you don't have to carry double the stock. Whereas if there's a pink one and a blue one, and you want you know size 4 you're effectively having to double the amount of inventory you have to hold so By going gender neutral, you reduce your costs in the amount of stock that you have to hold.
0: Yeah, and also my website is actually sorted by size or by style, not by boys and girls. So the first thing you go is you can either pick I'm after a T-shirt or a pair of shorts or you can go I'm after size four. So I don't actually sort my website. Like the first thing you do is you don't pick boy or girl. I mean don't get me wrong, i still got, you know, skirts for girls. I mean boys can wear skirts too if they really want but i still obviously got, you know, one-piece swimmers that would suit girls and skirts and things like that but it's – pretty much like 90% of the range is gender neutral.
1: So you've got the idea, you're going down this path, you're obviously starting to look for businesses that might be for sale. You find this one. A lot of people at this point, this is where things derail because there'll be a price that's set. So the the owner wants to sell it, they're expecting a certain number of dollars for it. And you need to decide, is it worth it? And I guess the question there is, how did you determine it was of good value, worth the money? I guess, ultimately, how much did you pay for it?
0: Yeah. So, I did a bit of research. Obviously, I was looking for other businesses at the time. So, different industries, you know, they ranged from $1,000 to, you know, $100,000. Obviously, not working because of all the COVID drama, I was a bit uncertain and not wanting to spend a huge amount of money. But- Looking at Fiverr Nux Two, there was a certain amount of inventory that came with the store and obviously everything was established, website, Facebook, Instagram, and, you know, the Instagram followers had a couple thousand followers. So essentially... When I looked and compared all of that, the value of what I'm getting, I sort of assigned, you know, some of that is actual physical stock. So, even if the business went bust, I could sell the physical stock and recoup, you know, a third of what I'd paid, you know, and then things like setting up the website and, you know, even Instagram followers, which is popular for visual things like a product-based business. You know, I sort of assessed that there was a couple thousand followers in that. So. I sort of thought that, yeah, the the value was there in terms of what I was getting and setting up the website. And if I was to start something from scratch, what I would spend to get all of those, you know, building a website, purchasing new stock, plus the database was there of customers and, you know, suppliers that they purchased from. And there was a bit of an instruction, not instruction manual, but, you know, there was notes on how she was running the business that was, a you know, that step up to help me rather than starting from scratch.
1: It's a smart way to do it because, for not a lot of money, you get a business in a box with a bunch of processes. You know that you've got a website and an e-commerce platform that can at least handle some sales. You've scored some inventory. So that sort of takes away some of the risk as well. It's not like you're buying a business with $40,000 worth of goodwill in it and $10,000 worth of stock. Like that, That's potentially a really quick way just to lose $40,000.
0: Yeah. And scary when you're not working at the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And on top of this, you you are right that building a following, building an audience, building people who who trust you, uh, there's a sense of community around it, like repeat customers. You don't pay for it with money, you pay for it in other ways. So you pay for it with huge amounts of time. Hustling. So you're on Facebook. You're in these groups. You're trying to pitch sustainable clothing, the gender neutral, so that the hand me down networks can work higher quality because it will last longer across the seasons. You pitch, pitch, pitching. You never stop selling to build that community up. So, for not a lot of money, you get all of that in the box.
0: Correct. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely um helpful.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the owner was supportive? Like once you've sold, like were you pretty much on your own or would the owner sort of help you for a while?
0: No, she was around. We had a little bit of, cause obviously it was, I didn't, it was just under a year ago I bought it. That was when Facebook and Instagram kind of merged and there were some issues with businesses having all that. So we had a little bit of back and forth trying to get everything changed into my name, but she was definitely available. You know, I could text her and call her, email her at any time and ask questions. And even now I think she still follows the pages. Yeah.
1: Did you try to put a valuation on the business or did you just go, look, there's a couple thousand dollars worth of stock here? She's making a couple grand, and really for that couple of grand, I'm getting a website, I'm getting all this other stuff. I'm not even going to go into the detail, it's just five grand. I'm just going to do this.
0: Yeah, I more or less budgeted what it would cost me to start from fresh. So instead of buying that, what if I was to start my own business, what it would cost, you know, to build a website to get the Shopify up and running. And I sort of thought, well, it's actually probably going to cost me more to do it on my own and take longer. So essentially this was actually ready to virtually hit the ground running. Obviously I did my own updates and, you know, tailored it a bit towards myself, but I sort of saw that as it was ready to go. And also a lot of small businesses fail in their first couple of years and this had been established two or three years. So I kind of saw that as a bonus too, Mm. but I didn't actually value it as, if I was going to sell it again or that I sort of worked back of what I was getting and what they would cost for me to do them myself and if it was, you know,
1: cheaper or cost-effective. And did the business obviously came with a list of suppliers about where you get all of your fashion products from?
0: Yes, it did and I've tailored that. So I've sort of given the brand a bit of a revamp. I've done a new logo and I've sort of curated some additional brands. Some of the ones I stuck with the same, but I've worked on that and the more I knew. So it was a good baseline to start with, but I've, yeah, she gave me the list and I worked through which were those I wanted to continue to run with and which ones I thought wouldn't work for the direction I wanted to go in.
1: Have you had any problems with like the products or just even the business in general? Like, were there any surprises? You've bought this thing off of a, a random person. You've done all, all the due diligence. You've done everything you've, you can. You, you take the reins. Were there any warts that fell out?
0: No, more so just teaching myself how to do everything, you know, and I guess that was a bit of ambitiousness on my side of thinking I could do everything and do it all quickly. And, and again, sales, I just thought that the sales would come rolling in, but actually you still, like you said, do need to hustle and do need to work for it, especially online, you know, in those communities you need to constantly be commenting and posting and, you know, being in people's faces so you get that brand awareness out there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you buy the business. Did she shut it down? She wasn't operating it?
0: No, she'd left it. Yeah. For the probably four to six months, she'd been very quiet. I think it was still open, but she wasn't really active or doing anything. So she hadn't had many sales or wasn't, you know, getting into it. It wasn't fully operational, I guess.
1: Did you have concerns that maybe the business just wasn't working?
0: Yeah, I guess in the back of my mind, I did. I had a little look. She sent me the books, obviously, so I could see what her sales figures were and when and what sort of marketing she'd done in terms of, you know, return on investment for what she was putting into the business. I also stalked her Facebook profile just to see if her stories added up because she'd said that she'd had a, you know, new baby and she'd had two or three kids and just didn't have the time. So I just wanted to check that all of that was accurate, I suppose, and, you know, I can assume, you know, and also talking to my friends, I know what it's like when you've got two or three kids at home and not being able to put all your time into another business. So I did have a little bit of concern. But then again, that's when I weighed up, you know, well, if it goes bust, I can sell the stock I've got and make some of the money back. So I kind of did my own little risk versus reward to see how it would come out.
1: Do you store the stock to ship it out to your customers or do you drop ship it out from the supplier?
0: No, I've got it all at home. So I've set up my spare bedroom as a little five and nux room. So I've got a table to pack orders because I pack everything nicely with, you know, tissue paper and a little thank you card and quite often a little thank you gift as well. And then I've sorted them all in drawers for sizes, you know, and tops and bottoms and split out and stuff. So I've set up my spare room. So all the stocks here, because one of the things I guess with online shopping is people want them instantly. So as soon as I get the order, generally most days I can ship it out and make that afternoon's post. Plus, I find with drop shipping, it's not as personal. It comes direct from the brand, so I like to have my own, you know, touch on it, so the Fiverr Nux, you know, with the stickers and the you know, the personal message from me just to get that customer service.
1: First day where you've logged into the platform and maybe you've put a new item in, you've updated the inventory on the website, whatever, like you know, basically putting a new listing in. <laughs> yeah. And you hit the, the go button and you sit back and you open your wallet and you're hoping that the money just starts flowing in and then and then nothing happens. What do you do next?
0: I basically jumped onto social media and I everyone that I meet, I tell people. So I was a bit like, shit, what have I done? But it was again, uh, luckily my first few orders came from friends. And actually my first online order came from your sister because I was talking about you know, that my business hadn't happened. And the couple orders that I'd had had come from friends that were like at my house and saw the product. And so yeah, Kate actually did the first online order for me and didn't tell me. So it was actually really cute when I got, you know, the message saying that there was an online order. And it is true what people say that your small business is someone at home does do a little happy dance when they get the order in. And trust me, that is true. (laughs) So yeah, it was actually really cute that she did an online order for me and it came in, but it did take a while to get, and that's purely from me talking to everyone I ever meet that has kids. I'm like, oh, you've got kids, you need to be dressing them in my clothes. So I guess it's not being shy about being, getting out there and being on social media and commenting on pages and anyone you meet in the street, you tell them to look at your brand.
1: I think a lot of people, when they meet someone that's you know hustling, they they give them an element of respect here because it's like, well, they're, they're out there doing it. It's, it's a little bit sort of hand-to-mouth existence. It's not like this person just has a job and they're trying to bring in some extra fat on the side, this is, you know, starting to get a bit more like, well, I'm hoping this can help pay my rent. Yeah. So people respect that and they're, and they're much more likely to engage because there's a sense of authenticity there, et cetera. But then beyond that, have you found any other marketing avenues that work for you? like so you, With Facebook, and I understand about the putting a post up here or there and a comment, but is there any other paid marketing that you do that works?
0: I've done paid advertising on Facebook and Instagram, and it does work a little bit. But to be honest, I found most of my sales actually come from the network. So the Kids Fashion Network online and all those groups, it seems to be, and I think this is probably the trend with all these social media and also the, you know, TV show, you know, reality TV that everyone wants to be Insta famous, I guess. But there's a huge network online of all these kids, like especially young kids that want to be fashion stars, it's probably their parents that want them to be the stars. So I found that that little community, they all know each other. They're all constantly liking and commenting on posts. And if you get a mini influencer to wear something of yours, that's where I find the most sales come in. So if they, you know, wear my product and tag my clothing. That's generally when I get the most engagement, whether it's extra likes and comments or the extra sales is through the influencers. And I don't actually pay any influencers. I just offer a discount. But then most of my customers with their card, I offer them a discount as well on their next purchase if they tag us in their post wearing my
1: product. Have, have you thought about paying one of these influencers? Like if you could snag one that's got like, you know, a hundred thousand followers or, or more, you know, a toe in the water to see if it works?
0: Yeah, I have. The problem is that I'm finding at the moment, again, and this is – One of my plans is to get the bigger business and hustling. Is that because my products aren't my own brand yet, like I'm still purchasing other labels and selling them? So I've got a curated range of, you know, a dozen brands. My dilemma with paying an influencer is if they wear a certain shirt, it's actually still someone else's brand. So it it, is essentially if someone sees that shirt and they know what brand it is, they could just go direct to that brand. So that's been my only hesitation at the moment in terms of paying them because obviously unless short of me giving them a, one, a specific shirt or a specific outfit saying, wear this together, you get it at five and NUX. That's just the dilemma of, you know, potentially losing them direct to that site. And I guess the benefit of my site is that I've got a curated range, so I've got several brands. So instead of going to each individual brand and doing your order and paying your shipping fees or whatever, you essentially can get a range at my store with the one shipping fee or free shipping if you do a certain amount of orders that you get that variety unless you solely only wear one brand and you purchase it all from their site.
1: So it seems like you could put more money into marketing but then you're sort of promoting someone else's brand which then people might bypass you altogether. Yep. So it feels like at some point you end up in a situation where you have your own brand that you actually spend some bigger money on marketing you have the other brands on the website that act as like a; they can just keep adding those things to the basket to save on the shipping. Yep. And that way, you kind of get the best of both worlds. It feels like is that, and that's the, that's the direction that you're heading with it.
0: Yeah, my big goal would be to do my own range, and I guess I probably just want to get some more sales and some more money under my belt to be able to do my first run of my own clothing range. I suppose I do have some shirts that have got Five and Nux logo on them on the website and we do sell them. But I would love to do a full range that has, you know, all the tags and, you know, my own designs, not just the Five and Nux logo. So that is obviously big picture and that's how everyone sort of plans when they have a business. So hoping to get there, I just want to get a bit more sales and money under my belt to be able to do my own range. Then I can sort of stop being supported by the other labels as well.
1: Is there a seasonality to the clothing ranges or is it in the kids and gender neutrals? it less seasonal?
0: Well, I try not to follow the fashion fads too much, but I mean, definitely season, especially because we're in Queensland, you know, we definitely need the board shorts and the singlets and whatnot, but nothing too heavy. I guess in Australia, luckily, you know, we don't need to, we're not as seasonal as somewhere like the US or Europe where we need the big jackets and parkas. But I mean, things like jeans, I've got like skinny ripped jeans for kids that are stocked all year round in terms of seasons in terms of weather seasons, but I try and not the fashion fads I don't follow too much. Mine I still stay with that cheeky, sassy, kind of badassy type you know, look and feel of the clothing, but I don't follow like, oh, leopard print's in at the moment. I'm going to do a whole range of leopard print. So I kind of mix it up a bit. So again, it could essentially stay all year, the same kind of range. And, you know, we'll always stock jeans all year round and, you know, boardies all year round because in and I do well, people are still going on holidays where they need board shorts and everyone wears jeans all year round. So it's not completely altered each season. Like I don't have to clear out all my summer stock just to allow winter to come in.
1: When you look at creating your own brand, and I know you haven't done it yet, but do you approach it through the lens of, look, it makes a lot of business sense to have my own brand so I can put my money into that. I won't lose sales because if I get someone excited in my brand, there's only one place they can buy it. And maybe it opens up wholesale opportunities for you to wholesale to other people and they can sell on their websites. But you look at it and go, okay, that's a business opportunity. I'm just going to outsource that part of it and go find a branding expert, you know, I'll find a supplier, I'll hand over a design and I'll rip out a product or is your approach far more hands-on like you want to do the design and do all the grunt work? Like I'm trying to understand it. How much do you approach it from like the business perspective versus the passion project?
0: Uh, it's definitely a passion project. Like I love being involved and, I mean, a funny side, like I don't even have kids and I have a kids' clothing brand but I'm really passionate and I love the styles and designs we've got. I mean, if you look at the Instagram, some of these kids are like so cool. They're way cooler than I'll ever be, but it's definitely, I've definitely got a passion for it now and I'm really involved. But even as a kid, I loved fashion and doesn't matter that it's not fashion that I'm wearing, like personal fashion. It's just that style and be able to create. And I'm also really passionate about kids being able to express who they are in themselves. So I guess I want to be an advocate for them and help them, you know, be able to wear what they want and express who they are and if boys want to wear pink then go for it so that's why I would still be very hands-on and I guess that's a control thing too of it's your business I don't really want to let anyone else have a say or how you know be able to change that obviously like I'll lean on people for you know that are knowledgeable in those areas. Like when it comes to actually making something, then I'll work with the manufacturer on, but I'll still be, you know, testing the material to make sure that they feel great and, you know, doing samples to make sure the quality's there, but obviously looking to them for their advice on terms of what works best for certain products or, you know, because that's their industry, knowing the actual physical, you know, manufacturing and product
1: materials. You've largely been a PAYG employee and all of a sudden here you are Running a kids' clothing fashion label online. Yep. Is there anything that you found difficult or hard in making that transition? Like, you know, when it's PAYG, the money just flows in, you don't have to think about the pay packet, it's, you know, the work's just constantly lining up. How have you found this transition? Are there any surprises that you've, or problems that you've hit?
0: Well, again, it's still a side hustle. So I'm still substituting that time with other work. Obviously for that initial period, I wasn't because there wasn't any work, but now there is other work that I'm doing in my normal day job, I suppose, or my career that I'm doing. So it's finding the time to do it all and the learning curves of doing everything, you know, that trial and error of trying to learn how to build a website or, you know, and that frustration of wanting to do it and again, do it myself, but then not, again, probably not wanting to pay someone when I'm such a small business to fix the little niggles that I've got. Like there's still a couple of niggles in the website that I can't fix, but it's like, do I really want to spend the money to fix it? And are they actually costing me sales and should I just pay someone to fix it? So it's that spend money to make money, but where do you draw the line?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a, a dilemma that everyone goes through because you might have this absolute passion to deliver a quality kids piece of clothing but have absolutely zero desire to understand how to utilize an e-commerce platform. and so but what I find it's sort of a commonality in the, doing the interviews there's a, a resourcefulness amongst side hustlers so they hit a problem basically they're problem solvers. That seems to be the common thread is these people are all problem solvers I hit a problem. I've listed my product, I've hit publish, and it ain't raining money how I would kind of, you know, dreamt that it might. And now my hustle begins and I need to take that first step and start trying something. When you were handing over the $5,000 for the business, what, what sort of emotions were going through at the time? Because you wouldn't have done a transaction like that before. like Yeah, not for something of my own, short
0: of it being something like buying a new car or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I was mostly excited, I guess. Like I wasn't – obviously, I'd gotten over that initial – hesitation and fear when you're buying the business and I was then confident and certain of what I was doing and I was just really excited and keen to get started so essentially once I'd done that I actually booked in with the owner and we sat together and she showed me how to use the Shopify site and you know we changed all the passwords and put everything in my name and we spent a good couple hours together so yeah I was excited basically jumping at the bit to get started like get cracking and jump straight in.
1: Have you had any failures with the products, like in terms of, you know, one thing in fashion I think a lot of people will have to deal with is returns. You know, how do you deal with, like, returns? Like, if there's any quality issues, has there been any product failures?
0: Well, luckily I haven't had any returns as yet, so let's not jinx that. But um, there, was, <laughs> there was one brand that I'd done a range from and they weren't as good a quality as I thought they were going to be. I didn't actually realize that the lady was hand-making them all. Which is fine, like I've actually got a lady in the UK that hair makes her stock and it's amazing quality but the stuff that I'd bought locally, it wasn't particularly that amazing so I've actually just reduced the price point on the website so it, it reflects that I suppose but I haven't had any returns and then sometimes some of the shirts are more jarring than others like most people like we don't have anything too you know adulty or sultry or anything but they are we do push the limits like there's a lot of cheeky shirts in there like we love a good slogan t-shirt but you know sometimes people are like oh no that's not my brand or you know I've got a lot of dark you know black with slogans on them and you know skulls and things like that for kids which again there's a certain target audience that absolutely love that stuff because they don't want their kids in tonka trucks and dinosaurs but you know again we're not so adult that we're trying to make your kids grow up too fast but we're also saying like there's an individual style there that's not kiddie-ish but not adult so trying to find that line but yeah it's definitely not for everyone but people will pick certain things that they like and other things they won't like so
1: In terms of like some of the trends in fashion, there's sustainability, there's the ethical component.
0: That's a big one with the fashion, you know, especially because there's a lot of fast fashion. So, and I'm kind of in the middle and I can't hit all of those targets at the moment. So I'm trying to do what I can, especially, you know, pushing that gender neutral and sharing between siblings and families and hand-me-downs with the quality and the gender neutral bit. But I mean, I can't also add into that the ecological and the sustainability and there's only so many of those I can take on in one hit being a small business as much as I'd love them to be you know tick all those boxes I can only tick a few at a time
1: and so under the covers so if you think about doing your own own brand do you sort of start to weave into the story a little bit like oh I'd like to if I can't use local manufacturing then I understand okay it's cheaper to go offshore but maybe there's a supplier that has got an ethical certificate on its supply chain that they're not paying kids $2 an hour to do this stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all considerations definitely and there are a few suppliers that I know of that tick some of those boxes but also, again, it's the trade-off with the small business of not being able to tick all of those because if you do, the cost becomes so expensive that no one's going to buy your product. So it's finding that middle ground that is good enough on most of those levels um, and obviously not hitting any of the terrible ones to find your middle ground that, you know, you feel confident enough that it's a good enough quality product.
1: Because it still has to hit a price point and it yeah. needs to be able to sell, yeah.
0: Yeah, especially with a small run, if you're doing such a low run, you know, different if I was ordering 10000 of or something, but if I'm going to order, you know, 50 or or 100 or something, people don't want to pay $70 for a shirt. Maybe not yet, you know, maybe if I'm thinking 10 years down the time when I actually, you know, this brand is going off its rails and everyone loves it, then maybe you can charge that for a price point, but definitely not starting
1: out. If there was somebody listening that could, you know, point you in the right direction around where you can find sort of ethical or sustainable products, like that would be pretty incredible. Imagine finding something local. I mean it doesn't necessarily need to be organic, but
0: one of the brands we stock is definitely they eco-conscious everything. And it is the more expensive brand that we stock. But, you know, we sort of have a mix at the moment. But, yeah, definitely if there's any insights, we would love to hear them.
1: You said that you've got other work on the go. For someone else, and your story is going to be very common, that everybody to de-risk their side hustle, No one, most people don't just go, that's it, I quit my job. It normally takes something bad like a pandemic to go, oh, there's not much work around. They are going to be the exact same boat as you, de-risking everything and – minimum viable product, any tips or advice on how to fit it around your existing work?
0: Uh, be prepared to hustle and work hard. <laughs> so essentially, I went from not working at all to then I just took everything that was offered. So it was a lot of time. So I only get, you know, a couple hours sleep a night. So I work my day job and then I come home and I jump on my laptop or, you know, have dinner, have a shower. Then I sit in bed on my laptop doing five and nuck stuff. So it's just a time management skill and being really good at it. I'm, you know, like my lists. I like to be organized and sorted and just being prepared to work hard, like nothing's easy. So it's that keep at it, keep pushing and prioritise what needs doing straight away. And I know that I've sort of said against this before, but outsourcing anything you can or don't be afraid to ask questions. I was spending a lot of time trying to figure out stuff on my own and then I realised actually I could just jump in an online group and ask the question and someone might be able to give me the tip rather than, you know, on the website trying to change something and I'd be trial and erroring for hours. And then I realised actually if I ask someone that might know that actually saved me a lot of time. So I guess being smart with your time and making sure you've got lists and prioritizing. But it is hard work and you definitely, you know, it is a hustle and that's why it's called that.
1: (laughs) You mentioned that your e-commerce platform, I think, was Shopify. Yes, yeah. If you think about other bits of technology that you need to use, and I'm specifically thinking here about bookkeeping, or how did you start off with your bookkeeping?
0: Uh, It's all in Excel. (laughs) Yeah, okay. but the Shopify website actually has a lot of the accounts in there. So obviously you enter in, you know, what your product is, what you paid for it, and then your sale price. So it, you know, tells you your margins per product and anything that's ordered through the site is kept. So basically they do that side of your books, well, you know, the basic side. So all your stock numbers and, you know, cost price and sale price and then anything like shipping or anything. And then obviously you've got your, you know, your monthly Shopify fees, in Shopify and then anything outside of that, like all my other things, you know, like insurances and website pages and stuff. Yeah, I've got all of that in an Excel spreadsheet that I've done my own little budget for. And then all your other expenses, you know, when you buy business cards and all of that sort of stuff basically. Yeah, I don't use any apps or programs as yet.
1: Yeah, okay. So you, you do that all up into Excel and have you yet done a tax year yet?
0: No, <laughs> I'm overdue. <Okay. laughs>
1: all right, so yeah. your plan is to take the spreadsheet to an accountant and say can you please do some magic
0: yeah I know the first year like obviously with the purchase of that and all the out you know like all the outgoings you know ordering new stock and then I've done a couple markets so you know infrastructure like buying marquees and insurances and coat hangers and all that sort of stuff so the first year will probably would have run at a loss I would imagine once you take into consideration all the expenses so yeah I just haven't had time you know again time thing haven't had time to go and do the tax for that one yet it's not even quite a year old so i haven't had the business a year yet so i couldn't give you a full picture of what the first year in business is like
1: what platform do you use to take payment so shopify do they push it through paypal credit card how does it happen you
0: can do all three so i've got afterpay as well paypal and take credit card all through shopify
1: that's interesting so afterpay and zip are sort of I see it creeping in everywhere.
0: Yeah, and they're terrible for a business owner because they take 6%. So anyone shopping after pay for the fun of it, can you not for small businesses?
1: (laughs) So they take 6% of the total transaction? Yep. Yep. In terms of the volume of sales coming through, like what's the split, like you know, credit cards versus Afterpay or, the, or say the lay-by stuff?
0: Yeah, it's pretty even to be honest. I From generally talking to my friends, a lot of them all use Afterpay but I don't heavily promote it on my site purely because it does take the largest percentage of my profit so it's not good for me as a small business owner but they're all listed there. So I find the, ev- the split is fairly even. I know a lot of other sites promote Afterpay a lot because that's what gets more people in. I suppose if you don't have the funds and, you know, Afterpay is available, you're likely to get maybe the extra couple of sales you wouldn't normally get.
1: Yeah. I know that I've been working with some e-commerce platforms that were existing prior to Afterpay and Zip coming onto the market. And they are pretty much, all of them are dipping a toe in the water to put on Afterpay just to see what it does to their sales. And- so far, what I'm seeing is that as soon as it goes on, it doesn't come off because everyone is surprised at how many transactions are getting pushed through that particular payment method. And I'm surprised too, because I don't have an account. I actually don't know anyone that does have an account.
0: Yeah, I don't use Afterpay too. But I mean, I have always I grew up with that thing of if you can't afford it, don't buy it sort of thing, which is doesn't seem to be that generation now because they want everything instantly. And if there's a way to get it, then... They go for it, I suppose.
1: And I I guess, you know, they do provide like a, there's an interest-free period, right? If you make the payments.
0: Yeah, I think so. They also do a lot of their own sales and advertising. Like, you know, after payday, like they do sales and they do do small business sales. But I've done a few and I haven't noticed an increase because it's so saturated. Like I got listed on the Afterpay site, but unless you know what you were looking for or I was one of the bigger businesses and bigger brands, I wasn't really featured prominently on their site. So short of trolling through the thousands of small businesses that were in that after pay sale, you know, you couldn't really see me on their site. So I understand it kind of, you know, they're trying to support the businesses that use them by doing specific afterpay sales. But again, it's how do you stand out in those sales and in their advertising to hit the mark and actually get the benefit from it.
1: We're sort of getting close to the end here. If you could talk to somebody that was sitting on the sideline in a career, they're a professional, and they're considering a side hustle whether they've yet to pick one they've picked one and they can't start or maybe they've just they've failed to launch they've sort of got it all ready ready to launch but they can't pull the trigger do you have any advice for that person like what would you encourage them to do
0: I think it would be make sure it's something that you're passionate about, not something that you're umming and ahhing. Like I really had that passion for five and nucks in the clothes and I think it's, you know, sassy, badass and I love it. Um, if it's something that you're not so sure on or you're just doing it because it sounds like a good business deal, you might not have that motivation and the time to actually really hustle because I love it. I make the time and I, you know, I'm happy to spend those hours because I enjoy it and I'm passionate about it. So I guess that's a big one because you've got to love what you're doing and actually want to make the time. And you're researching and I guess it's all trial and error and not give up because it is really hard and there's so many times that you could have given up but you've just got to push through and, you know, count the wins when you get them and also asking people. You've got to be confident enough to network and push your brand to anyone you know and then ask people for help or, you know, anyone that does something that you need help with, whether it's a website or banking or research like I ask a lot of my friends with kids like what the sort of clothes they like or sort of anything to do with your business research ask people you know about the products that you're selling or if it's something like that or if you need help doing something like I said earlier with the website I wish I'd just asked someone earlier than spending hours trial and erroring how to do something
1: you, you said like celebrate the wins in there how
0: it's a happy dance no
1: <laughs> I've done a lot of happy dances. Uh... Katie, my sister, your cousin, I've done many happy dances with her where we've uh, new clients signed up or uh, sales gone through and happy dances, high fives and champagne lunches.
0: Yes, I was just going to say definitely lots of champagne. But I guess it's that celebrating too, like, you know, I'd always talk to all my friends and family about what I'm doing and, you know, they always ask how's it going and, you you know, how many sales have you had this week or whatever. And I guess it's just being proud of yourself and allowing yourself to take that little win as well because you do do a lot of work so I guess it's just you know okay I'm going to take today off and especially with e-commerce like I feel like I'm constantly on my laptop and my phone so sometimes it's you know allowing myself to have a day off where I'm not going to do anything and yeah make myself you know not so stressed about being online all the time.
1: What was your proudest moment in the whole process?
0: That's a hard one there's been a few like Obviously, like I've had a little bit of marketing, like media attention, um, thanks to your sister actually, putting, you know, we had an article in the Courier Mail. They did a story in there and then one of my friends also works for Channel 7, so I was at the Gold Coast show with the little pop-up stall and she interviewed me for that, which was quite cool. But then just, you know, when you see kids and I'm more about the kids and like I said, I don't have kids, but it's seeing them express themselves and have their own fashion. So I've got one particular family that, buy from me regularly and one of their youngest is growing up and now she's picking her own clothes and she's all of three or four but seeing how she styles it together and the fact that she chooses our products and you know wears them with her own little sass and the way she mixes and matches them it's pretty cool to see you know kids express themselves and choose your stuff and make it stylish and the way they put it together is you know something you wouldn't normally pick but it looks pretty cool
1: we're closing out You've got an open mic. Is there anything that you'd want to say to a, an aspiring hustler out there?
0: No, just go for it. Don't have the fear. Like, make sure you do your research, but enjoy it. Like, it's fun and it's stressful, but everything has highs and lows. So just make sure that you're doing what you can to get your highs.
1: Have fun. On that note, that is excellent advice. You having now been through the process, do you feel that it's elevated your level of confidence? Like having done this, if if you were to be presented with another opportunity you would have less resistance it would be easier to do you have more confidence just to step in and take control yeah I
0: think so yeah I mean I've always been a confident person anyway and working in events you kind of are always problem solving and there's a lot of project management in that so that alignment kind of worked with what you know I was doing with this side hustle but obviously fashion was something I'd never done before obviously short of creating my own fashion you know my own wardrobe but yeah I guess so and I guess I did enough research and due diligence to know that I was confident in my decisions and you know spoke to my dad and spoke to people that might know you know just in general about life and you know even things like looking at the contract of the business and stuff but yeah I think I'd definitely be more confident to do it again because you have that fear of what if I fail but now I've been here almost a year I'm like actually I sort of found my way around those and found the workarounds. So, yeah, and I'm still striving and hustling and, you know, aiming for the top. Like, I want to grow this and make it bigger. So, yeah, I think I would probably be more confident doing it again or at least taking the next step in the business. Once I got that key money up, then I would, you know, I'm definitely still striving to do the next step and the next next risk, like calculated risk, to move on and
1: grow. It's been a fantastic almost an hour. I really appreciate your time. I feel like we could sit here and just keep talking. Yeah. Well, we're both talkers. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. I think people will have taken away a lot that they can put into practice into their own startups. Hopefully, if there is someone sitting on the fence that they listen and they, you know, the advice that you've given is so common that all the other hustlers that are making a difference is to just start, like do your research and just start, take that first step. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. I... Wish you the best of luck. I hope that we're back here in a year talking about your own label and see it rolling out across your own website. Hopefully it's getting wholesaled out there. I think it's an exciting time to be alive and online and
0: And anyone with kids go and check out fivernux.com.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'll put links in the in the show notes. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to the Sideshow Hustle Podcast.